This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. We are continuing our mini-series on all of the programs in North America, and we are very delighted today to be joined by Dr. John Heiss. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, uh, Mike. I'm glad to be here, and I'm excited uh, to answer your questions. Great, great. Well, as you know, this is going to serve as an introduction for folks out there to your program at the National Institutes of Health, the NIH. And your program is really quite unique. So, John, why don't you walk through a little bit about how that program lays out and what the years look like? Okay. Well, the, the program now is uh, really integrated very closely uh, with uh, MedStar Georgetown uh, hospitals in the Washington, D.C. area. So now we're all a metro Washington, D.C. program. In, in the first year, uh, three months are done at the NIH, or, and they're one-month uh, rotations on neuropathology, neuro-oncology, and neurology. Uh, the other nine months are spent at either Washington Hospital Center or at uh, Georgetown University Hospital. Uh, the next year, uh, the, the residents spend uh, six months at Georgetown on a spine rotation and six months at Washington Hospital Center on a vascular and trauma rotation. Uh, the third year, uh, four months at uh, Children's National Medical Center, uh, four months at, uh, of a spine rotation at Georgetown University, and four months of a cranial uh, rotation as a junior resident at the NIH. And then the fourth and fifth years are dedicated research time uh, at the NIH. Uh, PGY6 is a 12-month senior clinical rotation at the NIH, and the chief residency year, the PG-7 year, is uh, eight months at uh, Georgetown University Hospital and uh, four months at Washington Hospital Center. So we don't have any enfolded fellowships. We're um, what you you could call a traditional program. Uh, We have uh, two years of dedicated research time. Now, Dr. Heiss, anyone who's a student not only of medicine but of the medical system in our country, as soon as they think of the NIH and Bethesda, uh, of course we all think about the research aspect and the academic aspect of it, not only surgically but at at least I always think about oncology. And so I imagine that your program attracts people who have strong interests in advancing clinical science and conducting perhaps benchwork or translational research. Um, what you know, you, you talked about those two built-in elective years. What kinds of things do people typically do in that time, and what kind of opportunities are unique to your program being situated there at the NIH? Well, the strong points of the NIH uh, as far as neurosurgery have always been functional neurosurgery uh, and neuro-oncology and uh, pituitary neurosurgery, and to a lesser extent, uh, Chiari, syringomyelia. Um, most people who come to do research at the NIH are interested in neuro-oncology, but we also have a very strong functional program uh, with Kareem Zaglul, uh, who uh, is our acting chair and uh, who um, heads our functional unit here. So, uh, it, But really, the sky's the limit. Uh, if, 
if you want to do other types of uh, research that are related to the neurosciences, you don't have to do your research in the surgical neurology branch. Uh, that's part of the program. It's, it's up to the resident uh, where they want to do the research. So, Dr. Heiss, I'm glad you gave that introduction about the years of rotations for the residents, because I imagine that most people come in thinking that NIH is mostly about research and that the uh, the clinical um, ex experience, if you will, might suffer. But these residents are rotating to multiple hospitals in the community, in the area, and in academic centers, so they're getting a broad swath of experience, right? That is that correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, Washington Hospital Centers, uh, in a central city hospital, probably as you know, you have been in Miami, and so you, you see a lot of trauma, uh, a lot of vascular disease, um, and and you see a diverse, uh, very diverse uh, population of patients. Georgetown Hospital, more well-to-do patients, uh, uh, and they, but you know, all people uh, have neurosurgical problems, so uh, they treat them there. And then the Children's National uh, Medical Center that uh, sees all sorts of uh, pediatric patients uh, throughout the area. So that, that has quite a draw as far as the population. As far as official certifications and degrees go, obviously an MD is intended to give you expertise in clinical matters and treating patients. But of course the PhD is sort of the culmination in the research realm, right? So in terms of people who are applying, how does your program relate to the whole PhD process? In other words, do you do you strongly encourage people with a PhD to apply? Do folks coming to your program have the opportunity to get a PhD during their training? Is a PhD something that is rendered uh, more uh, more of a, sort of an accoutrement and not necessary if you spent the time at NIH doing the actual bench research? How do you see it all fitting together for your program? Well, the answer to that is yes. So we, we really, as any other program, we're looking for the, the cream of the crop. You know, any, the, we're looking for the best and the brightest. Uh, if you have an MD and you've pursued research and uh, you're interested in being a clinician scientist or a neurosurgeon scientist, uh, that's what we're looking for. Um, so certainly, we look at the PhD. We also look at, like any other program, at who's AOA, who's at the top of the class, who's at a research intensive university, who's published, and all those are metrics of, um, you know, what it, their past uh, academic and uh, scholarly scientific pursuits, and you know, past is prologue as they have on the Supreme Court building. So um, we we think, but. Not, you know, so we're not really looking for potential without any evidence of productivity. There, we are looking for some productivity. So if you're an MD and you haven't published any papers, I, I don't think uh, you're going to get an interview at the NIH. But if you have an MD and you have an earnest desire and, and you've had some uh, to, to do research and you've had some research productivity uh, and and good grades in medical school, uh, we, we really uh, will, will interview you. And uh, if you have a PhD and you, don't, you haven't published anything, <laughs> then we, we think, well, you had the opportunity, but you didn't take advantage of it. So, so that PhD probably wouldn't get an interview. Of course, if you're a PhD and you have three papers and 
science. Uh, I'm sure you'd get an inter interview at the NIH, but not necessarily if your letter said that you had, you know, uh, four thumbs and um, you you can't operate and and patients hate you. So I mean, uh, you to finish the the worst thing would that could happen would someone would get to PGY seven year and they could do research, but they couldn't. Uh, do neurosurgery. We we really don't want that outcome. We only we want someone to be uh, an excellent neurosurgeon when they finish, and we want them to be good enough in research. So either with mentoring or right out of the the shoot after they graduate to be able to uh, establish a lab at a an academic center. Well, you know, Dr. Heiss, part of uh, finishing with that excellent training, as you noted, is, you know, finishing training. And, and part of that requires psychological health and kind of getting through the long slog of a seven years of training. And so I, I know one of the key things that people focus on during the interview process and when they're able to hopefully this year visit some programs is where they're going to be living, where they're going to be working for this long training program. So maybe if you could say a few words about Bethesda about the various areas and uh, where these hospitals are that the residents rotate and things you've noticed the residents like about the area, things that you know that they do in their spare time. Maybe you could uh, sell the applicants on the region besides the training program. Well, the Washington DC area is, is beautiful. Um, it's a four seasons um, community, uh, not, not as cold as Boston in the uh, winter, but not as warm as Miami. Um, all the uh, Smithsonian uh, museums are free. The zoo's free. Uh, so, you know, there's a Chinatown here. There's a Koreatown. There's all all sorts of ethnic communities uh, in the D.C. area. Um, the nightlife is excellent. You don't want to stay out past, you know, 2 o'clock because then it might be dangerous in certain areas of the city, but uh, that's what, you know, your parents told you when you were 16. Um, Georgetown's really hopping. They have a active uh, university there. You can get a, a very expensive meal there or at a, at a real posh restaurant, or, or you can, you know, have fast food in a lot of places. So it's, um, it's a healthy community. It's not a smokestack community. Many government workers, high standard of living, um, we have an excellent metro system. The residents, depending on how hip they are, you know, some of them want to live uh, downtown in D.C. Other people live in sort of uh, the Bethesda area in an apartment. And you can, if you're a suburbanite, you have your, you know, three kids or whatever, you can go to the suburbs. And uh, and uh, Bethesda has great schools, and so so do um the suburbs around here. And Dr. Heiss, just to be complete, you're taking one resident a year or is it two? No, we take one resident a year and they spend approximately half the time at the Georgetown uh, affiliated hospitals. Excellent. Well, Dr. Heiss, uh, we don't want to take too much of your time out of your busy day. Um, I would like to ask for the people listening, if anyone had specific questions and, and wanted to follow up, you can always reach out to us at the neurosurgerypodcast at gmail.com and we'll forward that to Dr. Heiss, uh, but also we'll uh, get the direct contact information. And so if anyone has uh, specific questions, we'll make that available to our listeners. So Dr. Heiss, thanks so much for giving us your time and 
sharing your program details with uh, all the applicants this year listening to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Okay, thank you. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. We continue our series on the programs of North America, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Ellen Ayer. Ellen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Ellen, you're the program director at Henry Ford, which is in Detroit, Michigan. Tell us a little about your history, how you came to neurosurgery. I came to neurosurgery, um, I think, from a love of neuroscience. I always was doing neuroscience research and actually did a PhD and MD-PhD combined program in neuroscience. But I love working with my hands, and so neurosurgery became a natural uh, mesh of both of those. Great, perfect. And I know you're very, you're very involved in WINS and you're the chair of WINS right now, right? Correct. Okay, perfect, perfect. So we're trying to give applicants and medical students some feel of what programs are like because they're not able to really do a lot of sub-eyes and they're not going on interviews and going and meeting other people who've rotated at Henry Ford. Tell us about how the program's laid out. I assume it's a seven-year program. You take two residents a year? It is a seven-year program, two per year. Our intern year is a mix of neurology and general surgery, followed by six months of joining the neurosurgical service between the neuro ICU and the neurosurgical team. So our residents as first years get the opportunity to really dig into neurosurgery and even get into the operating room. That's great. And how about the other years? So our service is divided largely between two uh, main hospitals. Our core hospital, which is our level one trauma hospital, which is in Detroit, and that's the Henry Ford Hospital. So our residents spend their second and fourth years there on the service, a combination running the service and operating quite a lot, and then their seventh year as chief of this large service. As a sixth year, they are chief at the West Bloomfield Hospital, which gives residents the opportunity to see a little bit more of an outpatient neurosurgery practice. And so many more elective cases, uh, but still has some lower uh, level trauma to it. And uh, the residents really get to start about, you know, evolving into that transition of care uh, their level of responsibility of, of care and taking home call and working with um, APPs. And then their third year is divided between functional uh, radiosurgery, pediatrics, and uh, peripheral nerve. Great, great. And, you know, it's, it's a great city. Detroit is such a storied American uh, town and it's gone through a revival. Tell us what it's like to live in, in Detroit as a resident. Detroit is phenomenal. I have to say, when I moved here, I knew that Detroit was on the upswing, but I continue to be floored every time I go down there. I mean, even through COVID, new entertainment and, and restaurants kind of in, you know, pushing their way through and the creativity of, of places that there are to go to and enjoy. It's just amazing to me. You know, my um, husband and I, when we came here, we thought, oh, we, you know, We'd go out to some of the other areas. Hands down, we picked to go down into Detroit to enjoy the culture and, and food. So we now have we have a lot of residents who live in downtown Detroit. Some of them live along the river. Um, some still prefer to live a little bit outside the city. It's just there are many options for them depending on what works best. 
Yeah, it seems like a, a one of the cities where it's like it's large, but it's still affordable, right? So you can actually, can you buy a house there? And Absolutely. Yeah. Many of our residents do have homes here. Absolutely. Tell us a little about the flavor of the program. You know, some programs are real intimate. They're small. Some are gigantic and incredibly busy. Like what's, what would you say is the feel or the flavor? And I know it's hard to capture it in like a couple lines, but if you had to tell us about Henry Ford and what it's like to be a resident training there. Our residents are amazing. They support each other and push each other at the same time. They are enjoying themselves at work. And I enjoy having, you know, being with them at work. It's part of the best part of my day when I am spending time with them. Um, so I think it's, it's an incredibly collegial. They also feel like this is an incredibly humane program. They have great interactions and touch points with all of the faculty. There's not a single time that I think they feel like they can't go to any of the faculty members to discuss things that are going on. They often feel comfortable bringing up, you know, issues that they'd like to see further improved. And we take a lot of pride in listening to them and continuing to evolve the program based on, on their suggestions. Um, I would say it's also a, a good mix of the operative clinical and, and having the research opportunities. One thing I failed to, to mention was our fifth year is a dedicated research year, but it's not only concentrated in that year. We integrate research throughout their residency, and we have a clinical epidemiologist who's an expert who facilitates their growth on the scientific um, endeavors throughout their residency. So they always have additional support uh, to be able to integrate their uh, publications and research, as well as progress their clinical and operative skills. Yeah. And prior to me joining uh, on and recording you, I, I know we were talking about, you know, how Steve Kalkanis, who is the past president of CNS, was the chair, but now he's assumed like a dean role or executive role. He has. So he's actually in charge of the medical group. So it's quite nice as a department to have a strong uh, ear listening in the medical group. He also has taken on the dean role uh, with an, a developing medical school and collaboration with Michigan State University. So that also is a, a huge growth area in terms of building both education and research um, programs here. Great. So it seems like you guys have a very good capture of your entire medical campus and, and infrastructure and the whole enterprise, huh? Absolutely. We have a, a very busy um, service when it comes to our medical student opportunities. So we routinely have students coming and working with us on our service. Um, and it's great because it kind of keeps you on your toes. <laughs> it keeps the residents on their toes, gives the residents the opportunity to develop their educational and teaching skills. And is, is there a special kind of applicant that you look for? I know that that everybody wants the best people, but is there something special that you guys look for in your applicants that might be a little different than the other programs? We're really looking for people who are down to earth, I would say, that, you know, put their head down, get the work done, are willing to to question where they can do better and look for ways to do better. 
and also help each other out and be, you know, giving in support of, of their colleagues along the way. That's really a great message. I think that that's what we need more of in neurosurgeries, collaboration and people get along. And, um, and certainly if you're going to spend seven years in a place, you want to be in a place where you feel comfortable uh, with, with almost like a neurosurgery family, right? It is truly family. I can definitely see that, you know, these last couple of years have been a struggle everywhere, but watching the team helping each other through all of those ups and downs and, you know, kind of frankly, the, the staff are in it with them. Um, so it, it's, it's been very heartening. Well, Ellen, is there any message you want to send out to the applicants out there? Maybe I know you're very active in wins and you're very active in, uh, in recruiting underrepresented minorities, if you will, and women. Um, any message you want to send out to the medical students of the world? I want, I guess there are two main things. One is Detroit is awesome. And when we've been able to show off the city in person, people truly understand that and are excited to be here. The other is that, you know, we're, we're a program that is heavily invested in developing our residents for their future goals. And we are able to do that because we can help promote them if you know their goals are more academic, their research, we have the infrastructure and support there to get involved from a national perspective in the societies or the CSNS. In fact, one of our residents is a CSNS fellow for this year um, to be excellent, you know, clinicians. Hands down, I would let any of them operate on me or my family at the time that they graduate. So, I, I feel like we're we're well rounded we're also focused on helping our residents achieve what their goals are. Yeah, that's a great message. I like that. That's a wonderful message to have. So, well, thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you for sharing your thoughts about Henry Ford and good luck in a match. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Today we have another installment in our spotlights of uh, neurosurgery residency programs for the 2021-22 interview season. Today I'm very happy to be joined by Dr. Clemens Shermer. He's currently the chair of the ANSCNS uh, cerebrovascular section, and more relevant for today, he serves as the program director at Geisinger in Pennsylvania. Dr. Shermer, uh, welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So the last time Dr. Shermer was on, our listeners may remember, he was talking about the CV section, but today we're asking him to put on a different hat and share with us some of the insights and the personal side of the Geisinger residency program. So Dr. Shermer, why don't you just give us your impression and kind of the 20,000 foot view of the residency program as you see it? Absolutely. And I'm delighted to have that opportunity. I think uh, one of the noblest uh, causes for us as practicing neurosurgeons is really to think uh, about attracting the future generations. Um, and uh, one of the things that was always impressed on me is that we got to make sure that there's some people around who will take care of us when we need them. Um, so I think that's what, uh, in a sense, drove me to embrace education as one of the things that I do uh, in, a, in a very deep way. And Geising is a very interesting program. We are located in uh, a somewhat rural uh, suburban part um, in the middle of Pennsylvania. 
um, roughly about two hours away from some of the larger metropolitan areas on the East Coast, uh, New York, uh, Philadelphia, or even maybe three hours away from Washington uh, or the Baltimore-Washington corridor. Um, and uh, Geisinger is an integrated system which offers some interesting ways of uh, thinking about uh, education and what you see as a uh, trainee or a learner here in this program. Um, and integrated means that we not only feature our own health delivery apparatus, um, several hospitals, outpatient clinics, uh, and the like, but also we have our insurance plan uh, as well as our own medical school. Um, and uh, all this comes together as a larger enterprise um, and is really also at the disposal of the people that join us for the purpose of training here. Um, and we have a relatively small residency. Uh, this was only started a couple of years ago by my predecessors. And uh, we've been really successful building this up over the time. Um, and it's a really clinically heavy program in the sense of that we have many more faculty than we have even residents. Um, we practice neurosurgery in three of the hospitals here. And uh, two of them are where the residents rotate. Um, in addition, there's also a, a little bit of a VA rotation because we have a Veterans Affairs Hospital just across the street, basically from one of the hospitals here. Um, and uh, that's all at the disposal and uh, you know an opportunity for residents who really wanna engage in this. Um, and uh, in addition to that, we of course have a large uh, infrastructure around research. Um, we do a lot of cerebrovascular research, uh, but also in tumor and spine. Um, and of course, Geisinger has a very specific way of looking at research. Um, we are most interested in things like healthcare, delivery, reengineering, outcomes research, genomics, um, and also big data sets and how to interact with these and drive insights uh, from big data. Um, and as a deliberate choice, we're not that interested in, uh, let's say, cell cultures and uh, animal-based uh, research. Um, we just made that choice as a system several years back that we want to put our focus on uh, those four uh, pillars, if you will. And that's been really, really successful, uh, both in neuroscience, in neurosurgery, but also outside of those uh, areas. Wonderful. And, you know, I'll, I'll just point out for the applicants listening, many people I, I recall from my interview season uh, were hesitant about approaching or more highly ranking or favoring younger programs and smaller programs. But I'll just point out, for one thing, a small residency complement um, as compared to a large and busy faculty with a high case volume is excellent for surgical training. You always want to have more cases than residents and not the inverse. And, you know, any, any program that was founded recently, as yours was, that's just a great chance to get into the ground level and really help establish and set the direction for where uh, something's going to go. So as an applicant, I, I would not uh, take the youth of a program as any kind of negative point against it. In, in fact, it's often an opportunity to get yourself in the history books of an institution. But something you said, Dr. Shermer, that tempts me to go down a philosophical road, but I'll try to keep it relevant for today. I really love what you said about thinking about training the people who will take care of us when we get older. That's something that I think we often think about in neurosurgery, but maybe don't talk about as much. And so maybe for today's purposes, 
when you think about the next generation and who will take care of you and your family and, and me and your friends when we get older and hopefully don't need, but some of us will need a neurosurgeon, how does that translate to you looking for the ideal new trainee at Geisinger? What kind of person and applicant do you look for to contribute to your culture, your training program there to select the next generation of neurosurgeons? Absolutely. I think that's a really relevant question, both for us here locally, but also for the field at large. Um, as you probably know, uh, neurosurgery has not been known as to be the most diverse of all specialties. Um, and I think one of the things that we need to really do is to look further down this funnel, um, you know, starting even maybe at the uh, high school level um, and really trying to convey what some of the uh, attractive features of this field are um, and maybe even dispel some of the myths about this field, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's known as a field that um, is uh, really uh, special in, in so many ways. And um, we, as being part of it, that's what attracted us to the field. But I think we should also not kid ourselves that this is definitely a deterrent to some other people who just don't want to even like explore this. And I think that's a loss for us in some cases. Um, and, you know, I think uh, really trying to look outward and, and trying to portray the best aspects of this is, is going to be our challenge going forward. Um, one of the things that we do here locally is that, you know, for one, we do work with our medical school um, and uh, uh, the, the so like diversity efforts that come through um, that platform um, to really reach out earlier and, and you know, have uh, more students come through and take a look at this field, because even if they don't choose neurosurgery as their career, uh, it really actually benefits us in the long run if we have more people around in medicine that have at least a faint idea of what we're actually doing. Um, and uh, that, that really will become uh, probably something that uh, will pay off dividends over the, over the long run. And, uh, you know, I, I think we do need to continue to attract the brightest people that we can find, um, because the only way that we can keep growing and, um, you know, bring the best and highest quality care to our patients. Um, and that will, uh, by de fact, uh, or, or by definition, include ourselves at some point. Um, you know, that that's going to be uh, resting on essentially finding those people who are interested in pushing this field forward. Um, so, you know, I think it's just simply a prudent investment in the future. And we just got to figure out how to do this. Well, that's a wonderful and a very prescient perspective for you to take. Um, I wonder in our final minutes here, if you could, you know, you, you referred to the location of Geisinger, you, you know, as it's a few hours away from the more urban centers. But I wonder if you could describe for us what life is like there where you live, where the residents live, what kind of things do the residents do and in what free time you allow them to have? I think life is wonderful here. Uh, it's a really interesting uh, area. There's uh, lots of uh, things you can do outdoors. Uh, it is a beautiful scenery. Um, the cost of living is actually really attractive for residents on their limited uh, budget sometimes. Um, and to be fair, you know, and obviously this is a little bit uh, of a, you know, question of what you value personally, right? Uh, but it is not so far off the beaten track that you cannot get anywhere if you really want to get out here and, and want to participate in, uh, let's say, big city life. Or if you want to go to 
the cultural centers that we have here on the East Coast. Uh, but it is uh, an area that actually allows you to focus on uh, what you are supposed to do, which is to become a neurosurgeon and, and really you know, have um, a, uh, I guess, decent lifestyle while you're at it. Um, and, you know, I mean, our program is no different than any other program in the sense of that uh, we try and as much clinical education in the time that we have with our residents uh, without overburdening them. Um, and I think we're able to do this really well uh, because we have built here a system that is really geared and focused on the educational aspect to this. Um, we obviously have an infrastructure and um, a cadre of advanced practitioners who also help us with our clinical practices here from the uh, faculty uh, perspective. Um, so in other words, uh, we're not uh, requiring residents to run a service uh, or uh, rely on them too much. Um, so education really is in the forefront. Um, and circling that back to one of the things you said earlier, one of the benefits of a smaller program that is younger is that it is mostly uh, built around this idea of education and that we can make changes based on that, um, but we don't have some of the legacy that some other programs may have to consider when they're trying to make changes to the way they run. Beautiful. Well, Dr. Shermer, we want to thank you for your time and coming on the Neurosurgery Podcast again. Always a pleasure to have you and speak with you. Um, so thank you for the applicants this year, giving them a sense from the inside of what Geisinger Neurosurgery has to offer. Thank you, sir. Absolutely, thanks for having me and good luck to everyone who is in the match this year. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.